I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we can proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for, for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. This is the word of the Lord. leave my Bible there. I assure you I'll be referring to it. I've got the passage printed here. <laughs> it's a bit easier. <clears throat> well, thank you again for the chance to share with you today. It's uh, great to be able to bring God's word. Last week, um, you recall, we had a jit and he spoke on the, the great separation. Can you remember some of the highlights? Some I remember were heaven and hell exist and there's no bridge between them. If you don't believe the Bible, you're not going to believe anyone. The scripture is powerful to save. If you have a Bible, you have no excuse, he said. External religion or miraculous testimony doesn't save. Jesus saves. And hearing alone doesn't save. You must believe. And he made the point that now is the time to decide 
to follow Jesus. Once you die, you can be can't be like Lazarus wanting to, or sorry, like the rich man wanting to send messages back. That doesn't happen. But today we're we're moving on. We're looking at Romans 10, and we will look at how we can be sure that we are going to heaven. How we can be sure we are saved. We'll also look at the folly of religious beliefs that don't have faith in Jesus. It's only through Jesus we can be saved. We have a warning for those that are relying on the things that they do to please God. And in, in Romans 10, Paul looks specifically at the folly of Judaism trying to win win God's approval through their works and obeying the law. But that that could apply to any any religion, Islam, Judaism, even Christianity. Some are trying to work their way to heaven and they've lost the sight of Jesus and what he has done. You saw in the video the quote from Romans 10 and from the Old Testament, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So we'll do a pedicure today, pedicure check. How beautiful are your feet? Are you using your feet to take good news to others? I just pray the Lord will open our eyes, our ears, our minds and hearts today that we will hear from him. So let let me just pray. Father, we thank you for this letter from the Apostle Paul to Christians in Rome. We pray that you'll open the verses that we read and let us understand, move in our hearts that we might be obedient to you, move in our hearts that we will believe in you and follow you. So help us to understand today, we pray. As we look at uh, the passage too, we'll have the challenge of taking the good news to others and that our feet may be beautiful feet, bringing good news. So, Father, we pray you might challenge each of us through these words. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in um, the Apostle Paul is in deep anguish for the people of Israel in, in chapter 10. He begins by saying, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer for, to God is that the Israelites may be saved. He has concluded that they're not being saved because they're trying to please God through the law. And he says, I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Now remember, it's not so long ago that Paul was one of these. He was a Jew and he was persecuting Christians because of their belief in Jesus. Jesus met him on that road to to Damascus and changed his life. And Jesus has been counselling Paul in, in his ways. But he says, Since they did not know the righteousness of God, then they sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Now this, this can be a problem for any of us, as I mentioned. But we, we need to be looking to Jesus. You know, you think about Israel. They're God's chosen people, descending from Abraham, 
Isaac, Jacob, who became Israel, and his 12 sons. But even without heritage, they've managed to disobey God and they've failed to, to meet God's standards by following their laws and even the ones they've made up themselves. But isn't that so true? We, we can't achieve God's righteousness by doing our own things. You remember in, earlier in this uh, chapter of Romans, in Romans 3, Paul says, All of us have sinned. All of us fall short of God's glory. It's impossible for us to make that up, but it's only through faith in Christ that we can be made righteous. Israel is religious, but I, I, you might think of a definition of religion being man trying to reach up to God, whereas what we're proclaiming is God has already reached down to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And in verse 4, we read that Christ is the culmination or the fulfilment of the law. So there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Jesus has fulfilled God's law. He hasn't abolished it. But by believing in Jesus, we can take on his righteousness. We can be made righteous because of what Jesus has done. We are saved by his righteousness, not our own. I think it's true to say that a religion without Jesus is dead. Whether it takes the name of Judaism, Islam or even Christianity, if it's not based on the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is dead. Jesus has fulfilled God's law and by doing that he is considered righteous before God but by us believing him, we are also considered righteous before God. It's rather amazing, isn't it? You, you really need to ponder that. That through Jesus, we are made righteous before God. And we, by believing in Jesus, we can have the assurity that we will be with him in heaven when we die. So do you believe in Jesus? Is Jesus your Lord and Saviour? mentioned before we're at the end of Ramadan, just a couple of days to go. And Muslim people this month, they've been, in the daylight hours, they've been fasting and praying. They're seeking God. In some material I read on Islam, they, they, um, let me read a couple of things to you. Muslims spend most of the month of Ramadan in sincere devotion, praying in the middle of the night, giving charity and performing good deeds. One might imagine that Muslims are relieved that Ramadan is over. However, as Ramadan comes to an end, they feel a sense of sadness. Ramadan is a time when they draw near to God, better themselves, feel a close intimacy with God that cannot be explained. It must be experienced. And after Ramadan, there becomes the festival of Eid. And that stems right back to Abraham. You remember the story of Abraham? God told him to prepare his son for sacrifice. We usually regard that as Isaac. The Muslim tradition would probably put that, as, that son as Ishmael. But God provides a lamb so that Abraham doesn't have to sacrifice his son. So they celebrate that. And in countries around Africa, you'll 
around the festival of Eid, you'll hear hundreds and thousands of sheep bleeding. The sheep are killed and offered and, and eaten. But, you know, this or any celebration from Judaism or even Christianity, if it's not focused on Jesus, we are missing, missing the point. You heard today in the, the movie, Walking in Shadow, the man, as speaking as a Muslim, shared about his dilemma. He can follow the five pillars of Islam. And in other religions, in Judaism, they can follow the law or try to. Even some Christians might try and do things to please God, but in the end, they can't. So one thing that we're missing is faith in Jesus Christ. Believing and trusting in Jesus gives us certainty. Certainty of heaven and certainty of being with Jesus. So in verses 5 to 11, Paul contrasts being righteous by law as compared to being righteous by faith. He quotes some Old Testament scripture from Leviticus 28. And I don't know about you, when you read some of these, I find them a little difficult to understand. But I found one commentary that um, made it easier for me to understand. It's probably one of the oldest commentaries I have <laughs> from Matthew Henry. It's more than 200 years old, the, the writings. It's been published more recently, but um, it goes back 200 years. But he says, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. And that's true. If you're going to live by the law and attain righteousness by the law, you have to live by them. And as the case may, you might die by them. But uh, let me read to you what um, this commentary of Matthew Henry says. The doing, the doing of these deeds must be perfect and sinless, without the slightest breach or violation. Now, was it not extreme folly for the Jews to adhere so closely to this way of justification and salvation when a new and living hope opened up? And that new and living hope, of course, was Jesus. It's impossible for us, anybody, to fully obey God's law. As Romans 3 says, all of us fall short of God's law. All of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. So let's forget it. We can't do it. However, Paul goes on to talk about righteousness by faith. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is bring Christ down, or descend into the deep, that is bring Christ up. I guess uh, Matthew Henry made it clear to me that what he's really saying is we don't need to go into heaven to get counsel to how we can be saved and we don't need to go down to the depths and bring Christ up. Our salvation is right here and now. It is through hearing God's word and believing God's word. Verse 8, 
The word is near you, it is in your mouth and your heart. Verse 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you remember nothing else from this morning, remember that verse. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Capisha. Complete. That's it. And he goes on in verse 10. With your heart you believe and with your mouth you profess and are saved. Those who believe in him will not be ashamed. He's quoting Isaiah 28. There are no ifs and buts. The simple concept separates us from trying to work and be accepted by God to just trusting in what Jesus has already done. Believing in Jesus for our salvation gives us certainty. I've been reading recently the book called The Wind in the House of Islam. And the book uh, makes the observation that there are more Muslims coming to Jesus Christ now than ever. And this book's a few years old, so it's looking at a period over a few hundred years or longer. But more Muslims now are turning to Christ. And he, he gave about ten reasons why that's happening. And when Muslims turn to Christ, it may look different for different people. Muslims may become a, a member of a local church like this, although that's probably unlikely. They may stay in the, the culture and the family of Islam, but proclaim Christ. That's a, you could have arguments for and against that. It may be hard to be a true Christian while remaining a Muslim. And there's lots of areas in between. But he, he explained why they're coming to Christ. But what I find most important are the five reasons he give for this not happening. The five reasons that are a barrier for Muslims to know Jesus. And they're all pretty well aimed at us. <clears throat> One is contentious Christians. Here he's looking particularly at our denominational divisions. We are such a fragmented religion across the world, this Christianity. How can we, uh, how can we be inviting? He says, um, he quoted somebody here and he says, you don't have to see eye to eye to be able to walk side by side. And I guess that's true with denominations. It's probably true with us and, and Muslims too. We can be friends. The other reason was fear and hatred, our fear and hatred. <clears throat> and they gave some examples where elders in the church were, were spoke quite openly that um, strongly against, against Muslims through fear of what has been attributed to Islam around the world, bombings, catastrophes. But, uh, you know, this fear and hatred might belong to Islam as, as an ideology or as a religion. But Muslims are not a religion or an ideology. Muslims are people like you and me. They are people needing Jesus. Imitating Islam can be a barrier. We see 
Islam attributed to blowing a bomb and then others might try and imitate things like that aggression. That's not what we're about. We need to be showing the love of Jesus. Ignorance and apathy can be a barrier. How well do you understand others? How well do you understand Muslims? And I think we need to be about building bridges rather than building walls. Just before Ramadan, I met with a Muslim man in my office just across the roundabout. He, he came to give us a quote on something and we, we shared with him and he shared with us about her faith. He's a, come as a young man from Pakistan <coughs> to Australia and has lived here for a number of years, but a, a devout Muslim. He, sh- he shared how he saw the world as um, the Christians, the Muslims and the the Jews, Jews are all on one side, sharing a, a lot of commonality in their faith, and those that believe in evolution are on the other side. So that's a, an interesting contrast. He was very strong on respect. A lovely man. We um, respect about each other's religions. <clears throat> and we had a bit of a chuckle together as we looked at his name. His first name was Adam. So we said, you've covered all bases. You've got a Jewish name, you've got a Christian name, and you've got a Muslim name. So he was very, very happy and enjoyed laughing about that. But, you know, that Muslims are people. We need to befriend them. <clears throat> who, who knows where the nearest mosque is to here? Yeah. The last I worked, the, the mosque is 500 metres that way, just across the railway line, in Narara, as the lady said. It used to be a Brethren Gospel Hall, but now it's an Islamic centre. So Muslims around here will go there every day and pray. <coughs> There's others up at Wyong and so on, but Muslims around, who, kn- who knows a Muslim locally? Okay, good. Who has a really close friend as a Muslim? Okay, a few less, but we just encourage that to happen. Go and buy a kebab at Coles <laughs> and, and talk with the Muslims there that serve you. We need to be befriending these folk and learning about their beliefs. But above all, we need to be trying to share Jesus with them. In 1 Peter 3, it says, Be prepared to give an account of the hope that is in you. So if we're here today saying that we can be sure we're going to heaven because of Jesus, we have hope. But we need to be prepared to share that hope. And it goes on to say that we need to be doing that with, with respect, with consideration of those that we're sharing it to. So can I encourage you to pray, to learn and to engage So we move on to verses 12 now through to um, 17 of Romans 10. In these passages, Paul further emphasizes the truth of salvation by faith. In verse 12, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So we fall in the Gentile category. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses everyone who calls on him. We could extrapolate a little there and say there's no difference between Jew, Muslim, Christian, it's the same Lord 
of all and richly blesses everyone who calls on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus or on the name of the Lord, it says, will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So my question is, how about the almost 1,000 unreached people groups, 300 million people in Africa? How about the, the 6,000 other unreached people groups in the world? What about your unsaved neighbour? How are they going to hear? How are they going to believe in someone they don't know or haven't heard about? And Paul quotes Isaiah 52 when he says, you know, how can they believe in, sorry, I'll just go back. Paul raises the question, how can they believe in one whom they have not heard? How can anyone preach or tell them unless they are sent? Then he says from Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So Paul's raising some obvious questions. How are the people in Africa, how are the people in other unreached people groups going to hear unless someone tells them? How is someone going to tell them unless they are sent? Who will send someone? Who will go? Maybe Paul was thinking back to Acts 13. He probably didn't think to Acts 13, but to think of the events described in Acts 13, where it says Paul and Barnabas were set aside under the direction of the Holy Spirit. They were set aside by the church, and the church prayed on them and sent them out on Paul's missionary journey. Who will send? Who will go? Verse 17. Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Simple enough, isn't it? If people hear about Jesus, they can have faith in Jesus. Paul goes on and says it's not easy, and he, he paints a picture in in the scriptures that... Um, you know, Israel had heard, but they, they didn't believe. And not every time we proclaim is someone going to believe, but we still need to do it. We need to be remembering. Verse 11, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Who will send? Who will go? Will you as a church send? Will you someone go? I'm going to <clears throat> we'll close soon with a, another short video. But um, just before we to do, let's just recap on some of the things that we've seen. In Romans 10.9, we've believe we found that we can be sure of our faith in Jesus and our place with him in heaven. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus is Jesus has risen from the dead, you will be saved.
we've heard that we it's really on us to um yeah, let me just double check that there so I made sure I read it right. Yeah, let me read that verse to you again, verse nine. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So Jesus' resurrection is essential. He died for our sins, but if he just died, that'd be it. But he rose from the dead and he's our living saviour. So if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Praise God. And Paul says, you know, how are others going to hear if we don't take that message? How beautiful are our feet? And as I said in 1 Peter 3, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So let's praise God we can be sure that Jesus is our salvation. His righteousness covers us. We are hidden in Christ. I think that was come through one of the songs this morning. We are hidden in Jesus. So when God looks at us, he sees Jesus' righteousness. We are just after Easter now. And it was just, what, six weeks or so after Easter that Jesus called his disciples together on a mountain. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them. When he saw them, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So let's do a feet check. Do people see our feet as beautiful because we bring good news? I'm sure if we take our shoes off, they won't see them as beautiful. But do they see them as beautiful because we bring news of Jesus? We've considered today who will send, who will go. Will you send, will you go? But as we think about how beautiful our feet are, let's have a look at this next video. An extraordinary call. I'll just pop back.